Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Incremental Gains podcast. Today's guest, Arjuna Ashaya, an Ashaya monk and an Ascension meditation teacher. We had an amazing conversation. Loads of good takeaways in this episode around how to be present, how to approach each moment with more innocence, how to have no ordinary moments, how to be happy now, not when, and loads, loads more. Arjuna dropped some real fire in this podcast. So if you're interested in any form of meditation or you just want to understand more about it, carry on listening. I hope you enjoy it. Speak to you soon. Just to, to give us some context for people who hopefully are going to be listening to this when we when we put it out. Um, so I, you never met me, but I was on a quarterly with Paul Morton, and you quite kindly give up your time to to give us a, an hour Q and A session on the the Alliance program. After that Q and A session, I bought the book, two hundred percent, loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, some of the stuff you put in there made sense to me. I've read a few other books on meditation that were, how can I put it, a lot more harder to understand and the, the way you worded things in the book certainly appealed to me um and helped me understand it a lot better and oh. i just thought i'd do a a review for for my podcast and incremental gains not thinking it would do anything many people would listen to it i think about 30 37 people to this date have listened to it <laughs> however when we talk about like looking at things instant gratification and stuff and i just put it out there and then maybe a few weeks ago, I get a message from from yourself that you've found it. <laughs> Hence why we're, we're doing this podcast now. So that, that was amazing that you came across it. And I think it just shows you that if you put something out there with no real agenda, who knows who's watching? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't I don't know if you have kids, but I, I realized this a wee while ago that my kids watch everything that I do. <laughs> so even on that level, you know, in the whole wide world, people are watching, but yeah, even closer than that, people people watch what we do. <laughs> Definitely. And it, it kind of, we, we put things out there speaking and stuff, but it's all about the, the behaviours that we do and our actions. Obviously, the, the cliche is actions speak louder than words and it's never more so, is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I talk to so many people and they say, what can I do? I'm only one person. I'm this tiny little person in this against this huge surmountable world and this big problem. Yeah. And I'm saying people are watching that they're looking for how to do this and you can show them the way. And that's, you know, as Gandhi said, be the change that you want to see in the world. And then, and then if you are that change, you can really start doing a few things, you know? Definitely. Definitely. So could you take us back and explain a little bit how your journey with meditation started? Um, how you became um, the uh, an, is it ascension monk? Am I am I correct in saying that's what it is? An ascension meditation Ashaya. monk, Ashaya monk. Yeah, the the techniques are called ascension, which right. just means to rise beyond the mind. Okay. Rise beyond limitation. Well, uh, I started doing yoga back when I was in my early twenties. Um, I I used to be a competitive swimmer. I've always been really physically active. I was, I was getting into whitewater kayaking and I was getting a few niggles, (laughs) a few injuries, a few, um, just sore, you you know, we'd spend a weekend kayaking and I'd come back on Monday, just like, Oh, (laughs) so Mm -hmm. yoga really was a a way of stretching and, um, what do they call it? Prehab to try and prevent 
you know, make myself as strong and flexible as possible so I could do the things that I wanted to do. And um, those yoga classes, I think it was once a week, maybe twice a week, they were just incredible. I walked home just feeling like I was floating six inches yeah. off the ground, just <laughs> light and amazing, you know, <laughs> and the best possible physical and mental shape. And so mm -hmm. it kind of, I, I did a lot more yoga, but the, the meditation side always interested me, but um, that, that was my, the door in. Yeah. yeah. What was you doing before, before that? I read um, somewhere you was an outdoor, an outdoor leader. I was outdoor instructor. So mainly taking kids, school camps, um, yeah. you know, just camping and throwing them into water and messing around with boats and ropes and yeah, but <laughs> mainly because it was my hobby. I thought I could make my passion work for me, if that makes sense. No, definitely. I mean, yeah. one of my big passions is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I'm, I'm currently in the process of, so I work part-time for a charity based in the area where I live but I also teach jiu-jitsu part-time. So I'm in the process of trying to make my passion my full-time. Brilliant. Income. Obviously, COVID, COVID hasn't helped, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean... Yeah, I guess that's... You can do a lot of things online, but teaching something, grappling and whatever's, yeah. Definitely. But I mean, I think we'll touch on that a bit later on. Like some of the stuff that I've learned from Paul Morton from yourself about this for me, things happen for me and not mm. to me. That's definitely been... I mean, we may as well talk about it now, but that's definitely been something that's helped me, yeah. especially through COVID, rather than things happening to me. Yeah. It's, it worked for me so I could spend more time building my own not-for-profit organisation, for example. I mean, there was massive, that just little mindset change for me there. Yeah. yeah. And it, you're right. It's just a main, an attitude, a, an assumption that you can assume that really works well again <laughs> it works for us in the best possible yeah. way because yeah. otherwise we're a victim when we're pointing the finger and blaming everybody else we're blaming a virus we're, and we're powerless then we can't when it's everybody else's fault we can't do anything we're waiting for things to change and if you go well maybe if this this is happening for me all of a sudden it's like hmm awesome that, that, get, that gives you agency and choice and power and Definitely. and freedom um yeah. from the external environment because it's never going to look the way that you want it to yeah. and uh if you're waiting for it to all line up then you, you can be waiting a long time <laughs> i think that's definitely the the word that i'd use to describe it that that kind of mindset shift things happen for me rather than to me gave me that power i felt yeah in control i felt like yes it's down to me now i have the choice whether or not I dwell on the fact that I can't teach jiu-jitsu, but I can thrive in the fact that I've got time now to grow incremental gains, to grow me not-for-profit, start utilising social media a little bit more, spend more time with my family. It gave me the power back rather than, like you said, you know, being a victim. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, you know, being in the outdoors, it quickly showed me that there was no point focusing on what went wrong or what I couldn't control. Because if I was so absorbed in that, I was a mess. I was no good to my team. I was a hindrance on them, actually, a drain. Um, and so you, you have to reset and go, okay, well, given, given everything that's gone by, what can I do? What, what are the actual options? And it's such a powerful thing to see so clearly what you are in control of and what you're not. And mm -hmm. I think so many people are so busy 
we just get stuck into the mode of focusing on what's missing, what's wrong, what's lacking. And we never actually stop and go, oh, hang on. I'm, I'm thinking this particular way. Perhaps I can focus on, perhaps it would give me, it would be a benefit if I focused on, on the things that I can do and just you know, shrug my shoulders. Hopefully those things I don't like will change. Is there something that people, is it, is it just as simple as making that decision to, to make that switch? Or are there some things that people could actually start to do to make that transition a little bit easier? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great I think if you've ever read the book, um, the chimp paradox. Yes. I have. Yeah. That was, that was one of the other reviews that I did on my podcast, actually the chimp paradox. Yeah. That's yeah. that stuck with me for a good few years that I always refer back to that book. Yeah. It's a brilliant book, isn't it? You just mm-hmm. explain. And you know, it's just a theory, but it, it really works for how we are. And that chimp part of us who's scared and threatened and frustrated and worried it's doing something physical like like deep slow breathing like walking in nature like cold um baths you know all the stuff that you hear about gratitude journals all of these things calm the chimp and so you're less focused on the things because it's its job is to bring bring us um all the all the stuff that's all the problems all the things that's going to remove our happiness the trouble with that is when it gets on hyper alert the whole world becomes dangerous Mm -hmm. and that's a big part of post-traumatic stress is just that that chimp goes on on hyper alert and all it sees is danger everywhere and you can't rest you can't relax you just and it turns into paranoia turns into sleeplessness you know the whole shebang but in many ways a lot of us have that kind of hyper alert We're, we're so our chimp is so focused on what went wrong what we did wrong who what could remove our happiness and so worry anxiety panic is just everywhere so calming the nervous system down slowing down is the best thing you can get for clarity and therefore more effectiveness mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any sense you know my my grand used to say less haste but more speed yeah do you, do you know you slow down you step back you get a big picture and then with that big picture you get a sense of wisdom you get intuition you get you see all the facts and and, and you can do things but if the chimp's driving in panic mode, then you don't see anything. You're just reacting, triggered, 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 triggered. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great question in terms of, of making different choices. You can. It is like, yes, I'm going to do things differently. Yeah. But it is also, is also learning to slow down your physiology so you can get that step back from the chaos and the mess and the, the alarm. You know? Yeah. I've just started um, – so the, the – through the whole of like lockdown, so that this last year has been the first time really that I've properly made a conscious choice to have a um, a meditation practice consistently throughout this whole year. And I was using apps like Headspace and stuff like that to to help me keep track and keep accountable. As well as the, the meditation, I've also started reading a lot about breath, breathing. There was a book by James Nestor, I think, that was out earlier last year called Breath. Um, I've just started reading... I think it's Patrick McKeown's Oxygen Advantage. And when you were just talking there, Arjuna, about bringing your physiology down, I I never really appreciated before taking all the kind of um, meditation and spiritual connotations out of it, but just the power of your breath to bring down your and slow yourself down using a lower breath rate, diaphragmatic breathing, a lower cadence, 
it's such a powerful thing, but so simple. And I think people are just, people will, will shoo it off because they don't realise the importance of being able to breathe correctly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, you know, all the things that Paul Mort's been teaching all you guys is is that when he when he lays it out, it's, it's so simple. It's like, duh. Yeah. But if you do it regularly, it, it just, it transforms us. It gives us such a foundation for a great life. And, yeah. you know, we, we're looking for the complex answer, the glamorous, the new, the different, constantly, this cannot be enough. You know, and so doing stuff like simple, deep breathing, slowing down, drinking water, exercising, meditating, journaling, you know, all of the stuff is people just care. Can't, it can't be that easy, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know? One of the things that was quite surprising, well, not surprising, but um, your book 200% is a book about getting a better life, meditation, all these kind of things. And in there as well, there's a quote by Dan John, mm-hmm. who's a well-renowned American um, athletics track and field coach. And I've actually interviewed him on the podcast last year, Sweet. Which, which was amazing. Like I read his books growing up and stuff, and he really influenced how I train today and lift weights and stuff. But he's a massive proponent of training is part of a bigger picture. So it's, I think his philosophy, I'm going to butcher it, it's paraphrased, but it's like read great books, drink water, lift, carry, squat, hinge, um, study great artists. It's it's part of a bigger picture. And like you said, Arjuna, these simple little habits compounded and done consistently make a massive massive impact don't they yeah yeah i i i think he's a modern day re- renaissance man and, and yeah. you know we're really discovering this kind of sense of i don't have to compartmentalize i don't have to be one thing and restrict myself and define myself to this narrow vision yeah you know, really perhaps and and so many guys especially meditation yoga tai chi some of the softer martial arts we go what's the point but the thousands of years old and so there is a point if you can find your way in and so perhaps you can be a hunting gathering meat eating squat machine and also look after your recovery also consider great works of art enjoy lovely glasses of you know the whole world's for us to enjoy and so often we go no that's not for me Mm -hmm. but but people love it because there's something good in it you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's endured the test of time because Definitely. it lifts us. And when you embrace all of that, that sense of a Renaissance man who was good, tried to be good at everything, who embraced many different aspects of life, all of life, then yeah. you can't, you can't fail. You, know? no. you can only, you only fail when you try and stick yourself in a small box. And, and unfortunately, that's like something we, yeah, it's almost like the um, the samurais, Musashi, although he was a, a, a renowned warrior and had so many kills to his name with the sword, he was also a poet and a calligraphy writer and he embraced the the artistic stuff as well as the, the sword fighting. You had to have both to be a... I can't remember the, the phrase that he used, but to be this philosopher warrior or something, you had to have both both directions. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, and And people you know, people listening to this may just go, you know, that's not for me, but perhaps there is something that you can explore that is for you. You know, so often we split, especially as guys, we go, 
okay, I, I'm, I'm a man, I'm masculine, therefore I have to be hard, I have to be, there's a certain kind of sense of how we have to be in the world. Mm-hmm. And yet it's 50, it's half of life at 50%. And perhaps just opening yourself up and like Brene Brown, I don't know if you've ever watched any of her stuff, but. I know who she is, but I've never read, read anything, anything by her. Yeah, well, well if, if nobody else, if people are like you, then, then she's got a 20 minute TED talk and she talks about vulnerability and courage. Right. And, and especially in our split way of thinking, we think they're opposites. And yet the, all the research she's done and, and talked with in terms of the military and they, she stood up in a bunch of US Marines and said, is there any courage without vulnerability? Can you truly be courageous and open and explorative and go beyond what you know without a sense of vulnerability? And they're all going, well, now you put it that way, no. <laughs> And yet, as guys, we try and be courageous and hard and tough. And yet, that sense of vulnerability and opening up, decompartmentalizing, is is a, a wonderful thing. Definitely. But but for me, it's not like, well, I have now I have to go sniff flowers and put smelly candles in my bath. It's it's just it's just being aware that I don't have to stick myself in a box. That mm-hmm. I don't have to live how I was watching people and shown how to live yeah. that perhaps it's up for me to contact my own inner wisdom and see what's best for me and best for the moment. It's kind I mean, of like, my, oh, sorry, 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 carry on. Oh, I was just going to say my dad, he, he's a one, he's a wonderful guy, a wonderful dad, but he really had trouble hugging me. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid, you just, it's your dad, you just want to hug. And there was a certain age where you just kind of, stuck out his hand instead (laughs) and I was just like what's what's this (laughs) and that's just an amazing and I know he didn't you know I know that's what his granddad did and 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 grandfather did yeah it's just interesting how instead of doing what you should you should do it's interesting to see those examine those cultural conditionings and our family traditions and just going you know is this the way I want to do it so anyway, I'm all over my I'm all over my kids. So. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely as you should be. I think it's like a, the big thing now, especially around mental health. Touching on what you're on about there is self care, having a little bit of time for yourself. And I think when we talk about you've got to have this masculine um, front all the time. At some points, like that bottle of pop that you keep shaking, the pressure it's just going to explode, isn't it? So having that self care practice that time spent on your own, whether it's breathing or going out walking in nature, these things that are seen to be kind of less manly. It's part and parcel of the game, isn't it? You need to have that to be able to have, to your point, the, the masculine protecting your family and all that kind of stuff. You need that self-care. Yeah, yeah I think so. And, and there's nothing wrong with being like, like a man filled with power and strength and integrity and honour and wanting to protect and... And, and all these kind of traditional virtues. But so often, you know, especially with the guys in the military, as you know yourself, we compartmentalize too much. And, and that's great for a time and a place, but it has to come out. It has yeah. to be released. And, and, and that's what we're not taught to do. You know, we're not taught to, hey, it's your time now. You can explore this stuff and be okay yeah. with it. Yeah. And that was brilliant. That was, what, that was what was brilliant about your book as well showing you and explaining in a way that people like myself can understand is that 
to fix any kind of external, you've got to go inside and and look at how you perceive events that are happening. And that was massive, the, the, the battle between like the external and looking at what's going on inside and the other med- meditations and spiritual books that I have read, that message was in there, but I think it, it, it appealed to me more the way you kind of explained it. Oh, cool. Definitely. Cool. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, we're all, we're all going around with a big fat pair of Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> yeah. And we just don't realize what the filters that we're looking through that we experience the world through and you change those filters and the world changes, which mm-hmm. is, which is, and, and of course you can do things to change the world that bring you greater happiness and satisfaction. However, sometimes all you have to do is change the way you think about the world, yeah, the way you see it and you see it with fresh eyes. And it's, uh, you know, it, we're talking about the calming the chimp and bringing that physiology down. That's a type of filter too. Mm-hmm. You see when you're calm and relaxed and at ease, the world is a much different place from when you're under threat or, you know, angry. Yeah. What other kind of filters can people see the world through then? Well, for me, it's, it's, it's really realizing that you do see through filters and then having that awareness. Yeah. And then just appreciating or approaching each moment perhaps with innocence Mm -hmm. and innocence is perhaps not word that's used very often, but it, it doesn't mean naivety but it just means freshness without expectation realizing when your brain's going well i should (laughs) and just going put that to one side let's see what if i can meet the need of the moment rather than some idea of how i should be um and and then you've got there's no middleman to to living life yeah one of the reasons i became a monk was because i didn't want any ordinary moments and i saw the times when I was most alive was when I was most absorbed and immersed in what was going on in front of me. And that could have been running a, a, a waterfall or it could have been at home doing the dishes. And, and, and what they both had in common was that I was utterly present, utterly wanting to, to experience the reality of now. You know, I, I wasn't interested in something that would prevent direct communication <laughs> with that. Because, you know, kayaking, you, you need to have direct feedback. Otherwise, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. A military situation, same deal. But in fact, life in general, you want to have a direct communication with the moment as it is. Mm-hmm. And we live so much of our life in our heads that we don't actually get out into our bodies, into our senses, into our, into our reality, really. Yeah. So, it's interesting so you say that because when I'm teaching or involved in jujitsu, for those two, three hours, I am there. I'm, I'm completely present. I'm not focusing on what I've got to do at all and what I did yesterday. I'm completely present in the moment there. Yeah. But then what I struggle with, and I'm getting better at it, but take myself out of that environment just into everyday life. That's when I'm dwelling on the past, thinking about the future. And I'm getting better at being aware of that and stopping it. But it'd be good to understand why it's happening in the jiu-jitsu environment. And then pick it up and put it into me everyday life, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I think it's just because you've got a one sole task. You know, you right. know, you can't think about the bills or, or where you're going next week because immediately there's people who need you. You want to do your best job possible and communicate and, and direct and teach and show. And so you're absorbed and you love it. You know, the yeah. power of love because you're, ah, oh, I'm so excited about this. I want to be there. And, and so for many people, a spiritual practice will be just doing what they love more, right? Uh, yeah. 
because it makes us present. It, it grows and nourishes our spirit, our, our sense of aliveness. And, and really it's just to have that same sense of I'm excited, I'm curious, I'm fascinated in each and every moment. And that's just a practice. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we just come home and we, we kind of just switch off and really it, it's all about switching on in the gentlest way. And I use the word curiosity a lot because there are no boring moments, <laughs> which boredom is a choice simply because we switched off and expect life to entertain us. Yeah. When life looks like this, when I'm at jujitsu, when I'm on holiday, when I'm having a beer with my mates, when the pubs open, then I can, I can experience aliveness, but really it's not outside in. It's the power of our attitude and our curiosity and our, yeah, simple curiosity, innocence to, to fully appreciate what, what's in front of us. Yeah, so that's curiosity of even the act of washing dishes, being as yeah. present as you can into that, yeah. feeling the water, feeling the soapsuds on your hands, the plates, being totally present so you can, you can be grateful of that moment and appreciate it for what it is. Is that, is that right? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And you may have come up, there's a, there's a mindfulness exercise where they get you to sit down with a box of raisins and yeah. each, and I did it once and it just bored me silly. You know? That was kind of my first introduction to like meditation and cogn- what was it? See, cognitive behavioral mindfulness, cognitive, something like that, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And that was the, one of the exercises, eating a raisin for five minutes and experiencing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, done once it's cool, but a whole packet for me, I was like, what's the point (laughs) and i guess what i'm what i'm talking about is if you have to do something then do it with your heart and soul so if you're going to do the dishes don't don't be bitching and whining and wishing you were somewhere else just just do it do it fully going back to dan john you know he likes to say it all the time we're used to um if it's important do it every day if it's not important don't do it at all (laughs) you know and so if you're going to do something on a similar lines really just bring your whole heart and soul to it. If if you're not enjoying it, walk away. You know, mm-hmm. but o- often you've got to be prepared for the consequences because your wife or your partner or whatever is going to go. Hey, <laughs> come on, buddy, pull your weight. <laughs> but yeah. you think um, obviously technology and social media is now taking away from us being able to see the joy in every moment and having no ordinary moments. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because when you said before, I you know about boredom is a choice. As soon as we start being slightly boredom, we get the phones out, don't we? Boom. Yeah. Scrolling up and down, comparison and all that kind of stuff. That's the word for me is comparison, is that? Mm-hmm. And it can be in a good sense. Like, you know, the value of social media for me is really being inspired, seeing people out there kicking ass, discovering new things, beautiful photos, you know, the whole works, traveling, blah, blah, blah. but there's, there's the flip side of that is exactly that is comparison that I'm not good enough mm. that look at this person's life and, and it's the showroom, right? They, they splash up with filters and everything, yeah. all this glamour. And, and then we go, Oh man, I'm not like that. I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. And it's such an easy trap to fall into it. And, and it's available 24 seven, you know, people can't yeah. sleep. They're just on their phones, just feeling worse about themselves because, you know, I'm not out there making a billion by the time I'm 30 or whatever. 
but, but again, we didn't stop and go, actually, what is success to me? Is it owning a Lamborghini or is it being the best father I can be, a best husband, best partner, best, or do you know? Someone once explained me in terms of resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Oh, right. And so often we chase the stuff that we'd put on our CVs. You know, I've, I've achieved this, I've ticked this off, I've, I've got skills in that, but we don't really focus on the things that at the end of our lives, yeah. we hope people will say about us. Yeah. You know, when, when we're on our deathbeds looking back, we don't really spend much time on those things that are most important to us. Yeah, it's so, very, uh, it's like a very stoic, stoicism and all the famous stoic philosophers talk about like, what's the, is it memento mora? Remember that you are going to die. Yeah. And it's a, it's a bit of a taboo. We never really discuss like death and stuff really, but you're only here for a short period of time. Yeah. Embrace it and, and yeah, I like that. Eul- what's, what was it again, Arjuna? The eulogy uh, versus eulogy. the... A eulogy virtue versus a resume virtue. Right, that's brilliant, man. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think I, I put it in my book, but one of the pr- US presidents kind of talked in terms of, of what's truly important versus what's urgent. Mm-hmm. And, and we give far too much importance to the urgent, which is the yeah. email, the text message, the, the tiny little stuff, <laughs> rather than they're really giving urgency to the truly important. Yeah. And so... When chimps in charge, we, we don't get any clarity. We just go, go, go. And it's all urgent, 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 urgent. And so sometimes the best thing you can do is just slow down, step back and go, hang on. What's, what's really important? Am I doing it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the big things I've tried to, and it's from, from Paul Mort's influence, um, is your, your morning routines, big on morning routine and starting the day. With, to set you up in a, in a state that you can go on and, and, and win that day. And obviously one of the biggest things what we've just really spoke about is not getting on your phone as soon as you wake up and kind of checking in with yourself before you check in with the world. And you don't want to start the day already being deflated because you've not got that new car, you've not got the new job. So not even checking your phone in the first hour before you wake up, getting yourself ready to, to, to face the day. And that, that's been a massive thing for me, definitely. And it's yeah. such a... People talk about morning routines and a million and one things that you can do in the morning, but something as simple as not getting on your phone first thing and and maybe incorporating just some breathing exercises. Even that would be a massive, I think I was watching some of your your Instagram videos before and you were saying on one one of the videos, just 10 minutes a day and you're winning there, aren't you? Yeah. 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 I mean, even two minutes really. Yeah. You know, no one can't do two minutes. It's, you know, it's like, or five breaths, you yeah. know, five really slow breaths. And you don't have to sit on the floor in some stupid yoga position. Just be comfortable. Keep your eyes open. Maybe your eyelids soften. But five slow breaths. You know, if, if that was your morning practice, awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, we, we don't, we discount it. We think it's not enough. It's is dumb and stupid you know, all, the, all the excuses that we make <laughs> yeah. yeah one of the biggest differences again from from when you did the training on the the quarterly last year when i've tried to and i don't do much longer than 10 minutes 10 minutes for me seems to be like the the, the golden time um getting 
frustrated because I'm quite a competitive person, but with myself, I don't necessarily compete against other people, but I compete against myself quite a lot and I'll, I'll beat myself up if I'm not kind of getting better than what I was doing. So sure. the meditation became almost like a numbers game. If I wasn't, if, if my thoughts to drift off, I was getting frustrated with myself because the day before I managed to maybe do like seven minutes before drifting, thinking about other things. And one of yeah. the biggest differences, what you came out with in the quarterly was, um, I'm going, let me get this right. So it was, don't concentrate on the fact that you're forgetting embrace when you remember so don't beat yourself up for forgetting congratulate yourself because you remembered and you were supposed to be remembering at that point which was which was brilliant yeah yeah Yeah. it 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 takes the self-punishment out of it doesn't yeah Yeah, (laughs) because the fact is we we're we're in training you know our our minds are like little puppies that just run everywhere and we're training them Mm -hmm. we're learning to relax and and focus on one thing at a time and because we're getting better, we will mess up. And, and that's, yeah. that's the fact of it. And, and, yeah. and yeah, just celebrating the remembering, that's the, repeti- uh, that's the repetition. That's how you get stronger is the return. Yeah. Great. I'm, a, I'm awake. This is the only moment I can awake. I can spend it berating myself for having forgotten or just really be curious and alive and awake. Yeah. Again, it's that choice, isn't it? You, you talk about the choice, like you can choose to suffer or you can choose to not suffer and celebrate the fact that you remembered or the fact that you, you was back to present again, washing the dishes. We, we have that choice. People might say, oh, it's, it's all right for you or it's easy for you, but everyone has that choice, I suppose. Don't let her in that instance. Yeah, yeah everybody. And, and, and just the more you make it, the more ingrained it becomes, the more of a habit. And uh, the fact is we, we're useless at making mistakes, right? <laughs> we... we, we we would rather do nothing and stay safe than risk looking like a fool to ourselves, to, yeah. to our neighbors, our friends. And so yeah. getting over that particular filter, that mindset, having a, an attitude of, you know what, I am going to mess up, but at least I'm trying. I mean, that's the only way we've ever improved at anything <laughs> ever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? but, it, but it's a tough call because we believe that if I make a mistake, I'm somehow stupid. I'm, I'm not, I'm not good enough. And so I might as well quit. But, yeah. uh, and again, that comparison, we, we see people, the, the finished polished end result <coughs> and we don't see the hard work and all the mistakes that took them there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think that, that mindset shift again, for me, embracing that failure stuff again, that I've learned from, from Paul Morton and since working with him and obviously reading your book, the mindset shift in understanding people and that people probably don't actually care that much about you. So if you fail, you're going to look stupid in front of your friends and you look stupid on social media. People are more self-involved than we think. Do you know what I mean? I think people don't actually care that much. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but like the, the voice you talked about, the voice in our heads, that's so self-critical and so, aggressive to ourselves is is a big part of this and mm. you know that's just the monkey the chimp trying to keep us safe and and really again understanding that there's a big part of us that will criticize and doubt and say don't do it <laughs> yeah and, but you you get to recognize i think too that all the greatest times of your life is that we've ventured forward beyond our zone of comfort 
we've ignored that voice of that voice of resistance as Stephen Pressfield puts it and gone, you know yeah. what? I'm going to jump and see what happens and we'll learn on the way type deal. Yeah, yeah definitely. And like, like you said before, Ad, you know, it's that you, everyone is going to experience that resistance out there. And it's having that awareness. The awareness is key in it that what is that little voice in your head going, no, you don't want to do this really. Or your, your nerves, not understanding how your body's going to react when you step out of your, your comfort zone. Yeah. The more practice, the more training, the more reps you get in, little incremental steps, then you can, that can make you progress forward, can't it? But having that awareness, yeah. first of all. Yeah. yeah. That it's a good thing that yeah. everybody is uncertain. Everybody. Um, I think a big part of panic attacks and anxiety is that we've been taught that being afraid is wrong, that being uncertain, you're doing something wrong if you're uncertain or feeling insecure. But the fact is everybody has those feelings. It's just whether they ignore them or they let them overwhelm them. Just that, that it's this kind of sense of perfection that, you know, back in the in the nineties, there was no fear of clothing label. Yeah, and I was like, I think I had a I think I had a back turn cap thing with no fear on. Yeah, yeah, Last and I got past. the sentiment was, but the way we've taken it was like fear is wrong, and, mm. and you have. I was telling someone the other day, like we tell our kids, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. But the world is a scary place, and so you will be afraid. It's a natural response to uncertainty. However. Yeah. You can see it as an invitation, what's behind fear, or you can resist it and push it away and, and get more and more anxious. And it just, yeah, people don't have a good relationship with fear, I don't think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm reading um, Jordan Peterson's new book at the moment. And um, it's it's deep, like, but he, I'm not going to try and explain it, but there's a few chapters where he talks about, like, going on the other side of fear. Mm. And he uses, like, Harry Potter and the the... the the archetypal myths and what Harry Potter resembles in terms of going after your goals and being the, the hero and you've got to break some rules but stick to rules to to find the growth in failure and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to try and explain it, but really fascinating and for some reason it resonates. I don't really understand what I'm reading a lot of the time, mm. but uh, there's something in there that is it's right. There's a truth in there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he's an amazing dude, isn't he? Yeah, yeah fantastic. I can't believe there's people out there like him and so clever and intelligent and having the thoughts that he has. It's mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that he he's talked, I've heard him talk about on his podcast that really seems true to me is that um, when you have inner wisdom, when you allow the mud of your mind to settle, your inner wisdom will naturally show you the best possible thing to do for yourself and for everybody. You know, and in that case, we don't need rules and laws in society. We just need more wise, good people. Yeah. We, we, and we, and, and we know in our gut, we know what's right and good for us. It's just that we'd never listen or we don't <laughs> slow down enough to hear it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so hence we get slapped with a whole bunch of laws and it's necessary to keep people in order. And so you get things like the 10 commandments, don't kill your neighbor, don't lust after you, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But we know in our heart of hearts, when we're wise, when we're clear, we know what to do. We know how to live. We know we become a lighthouse. We become yeah. really what 
the best possible version of for us, for, for ourselves and for everybody. But it does take that sense of contacting your own wisdom and, and really examining the messages of should that we're, we're being given. Mm-hmm. And, and so that instead of being unconscious, I think the way forward to a better world, to a better life personally, is to become more conscious yeah. of our inner knowing, of our intuition, of our really what is right for us and being able to stand up for that, like, yeah. like Jordan talks about all the time. So. Yeah, one of my favorite things that he talks about is um, he, he's quoted as saying before that the, there's a consequence in everything that you do. You don't get to choose for there not to be a consequence. So which, which poison are you going to take? Yeah. Because <laughs> whatever you do, good or whether you, whether you do, if there wasn't any laws, whether you do good or bad, intuition, intuitively, you know, there's going to be repercussions or a consequence to what you do to your actions. Yeah. It depends what your choice again comes down to the choice what you choose to do yeah and and whether you can live with it yeah yeah that's that's at the end of the day isn't it whether you are content and accepting of who you are or whether you know the way the way uh, i used the way i used to live life was wake up in the three in the morning just going ah i should have done that differently you know yeah yeah i knew i should have didn't and a letter, you know, yeah. so just that sense of berating ourselves as opposed to, and that's a, that's a phase I think we all go through before we go, you know what, the inner voice says, I'm, I want to do it like this. Let's take a jump and give it a try. Cause that's the only way I can live with myself really. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said before, the inner chimp is programmed to be negative, isn't it? We, it's always going to be, it sees the negatives and then it sees evidence of the negative to support it. It's always going to be negative and it's understand that, that awareness again. Yeah. To understand uh, the way I'm talking to myself now is probably not that productive. Let's do something to change my state. Let's get that positive spin back on it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> I, you know, just understanding the way you're kind of the way we work is such a powerful thing. So a little bit of study and a little bit of self-study goes a long, long way. Mm-hmm. For so many people, we just go, "Well, this is the way I am," and it's like, eh this yeah sure but (laughs) these are the cards you've been given but you can play them however you want you can make more moves and get more cards different cards so yeah Um, one of the things you spoke about in your book and it's similar to what i've just been on about them with the chimp paradox and that but it's don't believe your thoughts Uh only if you could just expand on that a little bit for people who are listening yeah well you know when you're in a good mood when when you have a good state your emotion your thoughts are different from when Mm -hmm. Your state is, is it when you're exhausted, when you're stressed, when you're overwhelmed, it, it, it's that they, they change all the time. And for me, I realized I was a, I was a victim. I was so um, a prisoner of my own mind. And I wanted to step back away from that because I realized that was happening. When I had a good night's sleep, then my attitude, my, my thoughts, my mind was such a nicer place to be in. And and really, I wanted to learn how to step back from that mm. to create a different state. Yes, but really to create more space so that when my, my mind spoke, I didn't automatically jump. <laughs> Do you know, there's, there was a sense of more, um, becoming more conscious, becoming more aware of that the voices in my head are an option, mm-hmm. not necessary, not letting them be a reality. Yeah. 
And the, the same with emotion, just seeing that emotion will flow through and flow out, but not, it's just a thing. It's like the weather. It's not who I am. It constantly changes. Yeah, it's like you, you don't have to engage and give energy to every thought that comes into your head or every emotion. You can simply just let them wash by. Yeah. 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 Because James Smith, I've just finished reading um, James Smith's book in ah, the PT, and he has a he has an interesting thing in the book about your, your thoughts and your emotions are like picking up rocks. If you see a rock, you don't have to pick it up and see how heavy it is. You can just <laughs> walk past the rock. And that's quite an interesting way of looking at like your thoughts and that as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we yeah. just you know we we're kind of half asleep all the time, really, and and so we <laughs> do that by habit and you know, one of the practice, one of the benefits of a spiritual practice really is the relationship with your mind and becoming more and more aware of what you're telling yourself mm-hmm. and whether you want to keep planting those seeds in your garden or plant something different. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, it's a, so I, the I practice that you do Arjuna at Ascension. Is it what, how is that different to other kinds of meditation practice or is it different? Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of, it involves some, um, it's called attitudes, but, but just some phrases, some, you could call them mantras, but they are like sweet little phrases based around praise, gratitude, love, compassion that I don't know how they work, but they just still the mind very easily. Mm -hmm. They bring you to a place of separation from just that half step back. Yeah. They allow you to remember who that you're, that sense of you beyond your mind, beyond the emotion, um, the presence of now, you could put it. Yeah. How, you know, I don't know if you've ever looked in the mirror and gone, man, I don't, my, my skin is, you know, my face is looking different, but I don't feel different. Mm-hmm. I don't feel different from when I was five. You know? Yeah. There's part of us that never, ever changes. And it's really having an anchor in that while we go out and do all the things that we want to do. Mm-hmm. Those attitudes are something that you would like a, a mantra in transcendental meditation. It's something that you would repeat to yourself over and over again for a certain amount of time during your meditation. Yeah. Yeah. But it's more like um, a tuning fork, you know, oh, you, right. you had a tuning fork and they, they kind of resonate. You think one of these attitudes and you just let it sink into your mind and, and use it to focus on and resonate with. And then there's a period of time goes by and then you'll just drop another one in. Right. So and it's not really personal to you as well. Your attitudes are there. No, they're all the same. Right. They're all the same. But there's part of it that, that um, there's a word, there's a couple of words that kind of you get to choose that are based around your idea of the greatest force for good. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it to you that is greater than you that is, working for you that means life is trying to bring you what you want right and and, you know in classical religion you could refer that to as god or um allah or whatever but really it's about your your definition of that see my my problem with with organized religion was that i felt like i was always always being told what to do this is the way it is (laughs) and i had little choice in the matter right and for me, it's been, the more I've done this, it's more a discovery of that um, and having a more of a relationship with what is it that is, is out there that I can't see and I can't touch, but I kind of think might be there. 
you know, that what is it that's bigger than me? What is it that means a seed when you put it in the ground, it writes its way up and, you know, what creates all this harmony? Is it just yeah. all, all one big mistake or is it just <laughs> some sort of harmony, some sort of natural law, I, you know? Yeah. And so it's finding a word to describe that. Um, Mm-hmm. is a is a or, or a concept of that and so yeah part of it is for is set for everybody and part of it's unique to everybody yeah do you find that the people you speak to who who start to embrace and look at meditation they are generalized generalizing but they are looking for that there must be more there must be something more uh, do you find that or yeah i think people come at many different places sometimes well people want less stress um be able to sleep better um, perhaps they want less addiction and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think I think quite a few people are saying, you know, I, I want more aliveness. I want, I don't want to be distracted and worried and angry and and snappy. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to be that best version of myself. And yeah, I want to discover what it what there is beyond, you know, all the pretty things I can fill my life with, all the, all the stuff, you know, all the doings who am i what's my how can i be more um and and finding that balance between doing and and the sense of you as a human being yeah yeah you talk about um not looking to add to looking to take stuff away yeah is that that going back again to just being okay with who you are without all these like material and stuff like that just being okay with me now rather than when yeah, is that what you mean by that? Yeah. 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 Because I, I think we're all kind of hooked on this idea that I need to be different. I'm not good enough until. <laughs> and, and so often we get on this sort of spiritual path where we start reading books and it's like, oh, well, I, I must need to understand more. I need more knowledge. I need, I need this. I need that. You know, I need to develop my almost like a belt system. (laughs) I'm aiming for my black belt and spirituality or acceptance. And it's like, it it really is a a practice of of subtraction, of learning who you truly are beyond the filters, Mm -hmm. beyond the belief that I need to be different, that I should be different. Coming to a place, as you said, of absolute acceptance of who we are right here and right now. And, and, And a lot of the, the, the psychologists, the psychotherapists of the world, like Carl Jung and um, those kind of guys have said time and time again, that change only happens when you fully accept yourself. When you try and pressurize yourself to be different, that's the the least best way of change. (laughs) No, it it all starts with, this is, this is what's, this is what I'm doing. You know? Yeah. that guy I talk about my book, James Stockdale, that he was the stoic U.S. Navy. Yeah, Stockdale. Pilot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, shot down over Vietnam, spent six or seven years being tortured by oh, a nightmare. But he said, you know, the, the the people who didn't survive were the optimists, the ones who didn't actually look at their situation, saying this is it might be like this for some time. Yeah, they were constantly looking for a future moment, going, we'll be out soon. And he had two things, the idea that, yes, I will be out, but I don't know when. Right now, what's the, the brutal facts of my situation? What do I have to really surrender to and go, this is it. This is what I've got to work with. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, it was interesting, though, the, 
he had to accept the position he was in, but he couldn't relinquish the fact that hope there's a, there's something I'm working towards something. So there's that like fine line between having the the acceptance and understanding the situation he was in, but still having a bit of hope that it will come to an end at some point. Yeah, unbelievable guy, fascinating that. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and just. What under you know we started this conversation is this happening to me, mm-hmm. which could have been an easy attitude for him to take yeah, on. And he yeah. said, "No, this is going to be the making of me as a man. Yeah. I don't understand it, but sometime in the future I will benefit from this." So he was a total. This is happening for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But in you terms wonder, of, oh, you wonder people in like another example is Viktor Frankl, isn't it in the. Yeah. in the um, concentration camps, man's search for meaning, how he understood that he could choose the attitude he got to have in that situation and that they couldn't, the the Germans couldn't take away his ultimate choice to choose his attitude in any given situation. Yeah. And you think that we're struggling to do it in our lives. How did he do it in those extreme circumstances? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I think that's the beauty of of being thrown into a pit because mm-hmm. you really get to see with great clarity what works, what doesn't work. Yeah. Um, what's truly important and what you've, what's just urgent rubbish. You know, <laughs> sometimes when you're in a situation like that, it's the greatest blessing because you see, ah, oh, this, I don't want to like be like this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think in our lives, it's, it's kind of, it's not, it's not sharp enough, you know, there's that, there's that story about the guy who visits the farmer and off in the distance is this howling. And the visitor said, what, who's that? What's going on? And he says, oh, that's my dog. He's sitting on a nail. <laughs> and the visitor's like, what? Why doesn't he just get off? Like, because it, does, it doesn't hurt him enough yet. <laughs> no, yeah. you know, we it's get so head. comfortable sitting on a nail, sitting on a fence. And, and sometimes it's the dark times in our lives, which are our greatest blessing because it's the springboard to totally transcend them rather than yeah. um, just kind of suffer on, you know, hoping it will get better one day. It's not yeah. bad enough that I need to make change, which is always inconvenient. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I know. it's the um, curse of a pretty good life. Yeah, the curse of a good life, yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit, Arjuna, when we had a bit of back and forth on MSN, you mentioned that you're working with um, EOD once mm. once lockdown ends. Could you talk a little bit about the stuff that you're doing there? Because I can't think of any time when in any kind of occupation that being calm and controlling your breathing actually would be like <laughs> the most important thing ever. <laughs> yeah. So EOD, um, bomb disposal to all those yeah. civilians out there. Uh well, I, th- I think, you know what, talking to these guys, that's what I thought too. And, but really, it's, it's not so much their job because they love it. You know, they're in EOD because they, they love what they do and they just want to be released. <laughs> right. <laughs> any government department, there's not enough money, there's not enough people. Do you know, it's the pressures of that and, and the, the stupid little paperwork jobs, the, the shit that comes yeah. down from the the top brass, the the relationships, being away from your family during the week, um, postings, you know, the whole military deal. It's the little things, right? It's not so much the, the combat, the defusing the bombs, doing the stuff they were trained to do. It's, it's all the peripherals that like anyone really, when we're doing the thing that we were trained to do, that we love to do, 
we're on a high. We could do it all year long. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's the stuff that takes us away. So it's, it's really finding that, that link and, and giving people, again, what can you live with? What can you control? What can't you live with? What can't you control? And, and just yeah. getting people to slow down, calm their monkey, step back and go, okay, I'm just going to have to suck this up. This is just something that I have to do to get what I want, to get a pension at the end of my seven years or to um, just because my family is in such a better place if, if I stay in this role. Mm-hmm. I, I want that, therefore I can live with this. Or when you look at it clearly going, you know what? I can't be in here for another seven years. I can't take another seven years. I'm off. <laughs> but all of a sudden we're not sitting on a fence, right? We're not just yeah. hurting ourselves howling. We're going, I'm jumping, I'm making a decision. And, and, and that's part of the course, but part of it is, is meditation, mindfulness, teaching people to slow down, showing them what yoga is. And yeah, just a whole bunch of things like that. Yeah. yeah. You still practice yoga. Do you still do yoga? A, a little more, um, more as a warm up, cool down um, before I've got some kettlebells downstairs. So right. um, I take the kids and go do some exercise while my, while my lady sleeps in. So um, yeah, just, just as a little way of keeping flexible and warmed up and stuff. Yeah. I must admit, I found it beneficial for jujitsu as well. Just like the, like you said before, building a bit more resilience in your body, stretching out and building that strength in certain positions and stuff. Yeah. It's, underutilized it's because yeah. i've always found stretching boring it's like yeah. something that i know i should do it but it's not the exciting lifting weights and rolling around kind of stuff is it but as i get a little bit older i understand the importance of it now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh stuff like foam rolling right it's, it's yeah. not it's not pleasant but it's good <laughs> yeah definitely yeah 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 i wonder if you could touch on just before we go Adrian, how do you approach a subject meditation with kids i'm doing a project at the moment with huh. with young kids who are about to kind of transition to secondary school how do you approach a subject of meditation with like kind of eight nine ten year olds young, yeah. young kids yeah i i haven't done a lot of teaching with kids but i i assumed when i went when i have worked when i first worked with them that their life was golden you know they're living in this little <laughs> sheltered bubbled paradise and it was really clear they, they weren't, they, you know, they worry, they, they take on their parents or their brothers and sisters worries. They, they see, they see a lot. They see people compromising. They see people being dishonest. They, they, they're really confused. A lot of them. And so I think you can talk, I think just talk straight, talk on that level, talk that, that they are confused and struggling and they don't quite know why or how, but they do know what it's like to be peaceful and calm and feel safe and um, give them, give them ways of, of a trusting their own intuition and and B being able to slow down and know what to do when they get angry or scared or worried. Um, Put it on that. I mean, when I was 10, I was, I was so depressed because I thought the world was going to end through nuclear war. You know, I, I didn't want to leave the house. I was petrified from a very young age that I'd never see my family again, you know, and, and in many ways, what a horrible thing for a 10 year old to have to live with, you know, I was almost suicidal. That's like, well, I might as well kill myself because I don't want to be away from home and have the bomb go off. Um, But, you know, being in a pit sometimes is the greatest thing that can happen. Yeah. But if someone came along and said, you're not stupid, you're not, 
you know, there's a reason for this. This is a good thing. Let's, let's use it creatively. Let me show you how to manage that. That would have been the best thing possible. Mm -hmm. But, you know, all the adults go, you don't have a problem. You're 10. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Maybe that's a big, maybe that's the, the, the flip side of it. Then instead of trying to teach the kids more about meditation, teaching parents that a 10 year old's life isn't what you think it is all golden and there's no stress, no strain. Yeah. Get the parents to maybe put themselves in there. Cause you, you forget, don't you? What it's like to be maybe 10, 11 year old and, the worries that you do have about being in school and especially yeah. nowadays with and I know some 10 year olds might not have social media profiles and stuff but the the pressures the social pressures to maybe be more grown up than you need to be at that age yeah 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 the trouble with that is the parents really need to get their life together too <laughs> yeah because you know how often you know we're on our phones and our kids just want five minutes of attention we're like no I'm on my phone you know yeah, and yeah. it's really transforming the whole family dynamic of you know like we said before at the beginning which kind of brings us right back to the beginning where you never know who's watching if the yeah. kids are watching the parents on phones and not giving them any notice and that's what they're going to think is all right then yeah that's the way you do it yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I crave this attention and yet mum seems to be giving it all to this yeah thing yeah. you know I, I i thought i could do both i thought i could be on my phone and with my family and it was just so clear. I, I can't. I, mm -hmm. I just can't have my phone there. I, I have to put it in another room because I'm just tempted to pick it up. Yeah. But moving out of the way means, means I, can, I can have the relationships with my kids and my wife that I want to have rather than, <laughs> you know, some, um, you know, there's all these engineers that are paid millions of dollars for our attention. We're powerless against it so for me the only way is to <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know like any addict a little bit is too much it just blows up <laughs> it's kind of like the currency for the tech the tech um the tech world the currency now is attention isn't it that's what yeah. people are paying for for yeah. our attention yeah. Um, yeah like you said phones and the more and more we you've got to physically put the phone somewhere else to yeah. not not have that addiction yeah you know? yeah that's what i have to and you know, when, when the kids are in bed, then I get on, you know, and I give myself 15 minutes to scroll through Instagram and mess mm -hmm. around and I, ah, fantastic. But then I have to go, you know what? That's enough. Let's, yeah. let's really nurture my relationship with my wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we can sit on the couch. Both of us are in completely different worlds. You know, it's like, I know. And, and maybe one night that's no deal, but if it's happening night after night after night, the relationship suffers. Yeah, it's, relationships are growing things. They need constant attention, and if you don't give it that, they they suffer. So. If you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it was was it Tony Robbins who said something like that? Was it? Or you're not growing. You're ultimately by default you're dying, aren't you? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure of it. Yeah. So, Arjuna, thank you for your time today. I won't take up too much more of your, of your day. But if anyone's interested in finding out more about um ascension meditation and stuff that you do was best for people to go yeah well um i'm i'm on instagram and facebook i'm trying to do my best to make social media a little bit better yeah. <laughs> at least my corner of it <laughs> <laughs> and um uh, arjunaishaya.com is my website cool yeah. and uh, hopefully people can listen to your book review that i did yeah <laughs> it's fantastic
yeah I, I love what, listening to it yeah. yeah i love what you do and i'm so glad i was i yeah uh, i was looking for something else and i just googled my name on on apple Podcasts, and i was like yeah. hang on <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> well thank you and it's amazing that i got the opportunity to talk to you for a little bit as well so thank you for that oh thank you and if there's anything i can do for you just just shout just let me know all right i'd love i'd love to help thank you Ajin. i really appreciate that yeah yeah cool thanks again thank mate. cheers Take care, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye.